Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, welcome back in. It is the latest edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. Going to have a lot of fun on this show with a radio colleague of mine who has been synonymous with overnight radio for the better part of three decades now, at least in the sports radio world. Love JT the Brick, based in Las Vegas. Oh, by the way, uh, the major professional sports have now made their way into Las Vegas, including the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. And JT was at the clinching game and at the parade. He's going to tell you all about uh, what he experienced with that, uh, having, having lived in Vegas now for the better part of about 20 years what it all means with the Raiders now there, the A's soon to be there, the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. They won an NBA championship. JT's story is tremendous for a lot of reasons because he didn't set out to be a radio guy. You'll hear more about that. You may not know that full story, uh, but he is ultra successful, especially in the overnight realm, but he's remained grounded and there are reasons why. A former boss of his and frankly, a former boss of mine briefly in and around everything that happened with Fox Sports Radio when JT and I worked together. Um, you're going to hear that story about Andrew Ashwood and the handoff book that JT has written and why he wrote it. So great conversation with him where you're going to get insight on his career. This is what this podcast can, can bring you in-depth conversations, et cetera, as part of the last word on sports media. And we bring you some news. We bring you some analysis and opinion, but also some great guests and, and uh, opinions. And thank you uh, so much for the thousands and thousands of you that are finding us as part of the last word on sports media a podcast and the feed. Uh, George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is on a brief break just for this week. He'll be back next week with a couple of new episodes here in the summer. Summer is different, folks. I understand that. Your listening habits, your routine is different. Everybody on vacation, people traveling, going uh, different places out of the country, et cetera. But you could still take us everywhere uh, in podcast form worldwide uh, just by following, downloading, subscribing, last word on sports uh, media uh, podcast feed, wherever you get podcasts. And you get Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, George's uh, Chicago-themed storytelling podcast with all of uh, the great guests that he has had, usually with a Chicago slant, but also national as well. Uh, tremendous stuff for him. And George has actually got a book coming out. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. The book is going to be coming out later this year as well. Tremendous job by him. And Phil and Mike at Announcer Schedules the podcast. Uh, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont, Mullen do a great job. Phil, of course, operates the announcer schedule's Twitter handle. You keep up with all the national broadcasters on TV and radio for everything sports. Tremendous resource. Those guys, though, do a fantastic job of going over who calls it well, uh, who does the best jobs on all the, all the different calls. Of course, we put the NBA Finals to bed. We put the uh, Stanley Cup Finals to bed. We're now in the summer primarily with baseball. Yes, there's occasionally events like the Kentucky Derby, the Indy 500, uh, the U.S. Open golf that just played this weekend. Mike and Phil are all over it, but they have great guests as well. Like on this past podcast, and we put it up as its own conversation, Mike and Phil talking with Kate Scott, a fast-rising national broadcaster of the last few years, who now does the Philadelphia Sixers on TV, the 76ers television broadcast in the NBA. Uh, she'll be doing the Women's World Cup coverage 
as one of the broadcasters for Fox, Fox TV and the Women's World Cup upcoming in July. Also uh, in August, the Seattle Seahawks preseason games. She's been a national college football voice on radio for play-by-play. So hear Kate's whole story as part of this podcast feed, Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed, and the Announcer Schedules podcast as Mike and Phil talked with her. And always look forward to those boys uh, and their insight and uh, and what they do. Uh, all right, so there you go. All disclaimers out of the way. Again, we'll get to JT the Brick in a couple of moments. Now, just some news items here of what's going on uh, with the latest in the sports broadcasting uh, world. Interesting that Shannon Sharp, we haven't really talked about this, has departed the Undisputed show with Skip Bayless on Fox Sports 1 weekdays after, what, a seven-year run, I believe, the two of them together. And, and by the way, um, I, I have to confess, I don't think I have actually sat and watched an entire episode of that show. I, I will tell you in its existence, I, I will tell you that I long, long outgrew the shtick and the contrived BS and the stupidity of Skip Bayless. Now, I still remember Skip Bayless being a local Dallas radio host. You're going to hear JT and I talking about this. I was in Dallas in the uh, in the late 1990s when Skip was uh, was doing a talk show. Uh, in Dallas, I, I I was leery and weary of it all then. My God, that's 25 years ago and still am. But anyway, Shannon Sharp has now uh, decided enough's enough. He's not going to be there with Skip anymore. He's departing. He's parted ways with Fox. And, and might he end up now sliding in to the role that Pat McAfee had with FanDuel TV, doing a daily show with them of some, of some kind. Shannon, of course, was formerly uh, with CBS and the NFL Today and their coverage. Um, and formerly also um, uh, doing games, et cetera, on Fox and other networks. So we'll see what Shannon does next here after leaving the uh, the Undisputed show and going there with, uh, with Skip Bayless and now deciding to go out and do something else on his own. And we'll see uh, what, if any, permanent replacement is there. And look, it's not just Fox Sports 1's Undisputed. I don't have any use for first take with Stephen A. Smith or any of these other uh, daytime talking head shows. Uh, just don't watch a lot of it anymore. I did I did it one time, care more about Pardon the Interruption with Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. I don't even really watch that. Never really got into Around the Horn. I'm just giving you my feelings here on the sports media, that ESPN show, or any of the other uh, talking head shows. Uh, let's just argue, what is it on, on Fox Speak for Yourself and those kind of things. It just... It's not something that I have a lot of usefulness for, but we'll see where Shannon ends up landing. And by the way, we haven't really talked about this as well. ESPN, since adding Pat McAfee, and this it's amazing that they're adding TV talent to the tune of tens of millions of dollars in guaranteed money while they move down a couple of levels and cut employees that aren't even in a lot of cases making seven figures to be working on ESPN Sports Center or their programming, but much less the behind the camera people, the off camera people, the production people, the dot com people that are being deleted. I mean, on the one hand, you've got Pat McAfee coming in who's going to make in excess of eight figures uh, a year, apparently, to broadcast his show uh, that has been elsewhere. Uh, and now that that essentially is the income of about uh, 10 to 15 different employees or more that are having to take pay cuts or are departing. And we're starting to see some of that from ESPN. The latest round of layoffs is ongoing uh, from Disney this month. We already know that Chris Chelios won't be back on the NHL coverage. They're not going to renew his contract after the first two years of the NHL coming back on ESPN and Chelios was apparently making two or three million dollars a year as an analyst so that's a cost-cutting move 
Uh, similarly, it is believed, although not confirmed, that Susie Kolber and Steve Young, who have been staples on ESPN's NFL coverage, uh, including the Monday Night Countdown show, will apparently not be back. That's not confirmed by uh, either side, although the reports are out there. They're not being renewed with contracts being up. Uh, we do know because he confirmed it, Neil Everett, longtime 20-year Sports Center anchor. He's been synonymous with Stan Everett of doing the Sports Center from L.A. coverage for, what, seven or eight years. They've done the late night Sports Center, although that's gotten more and more marginalized late night and in the middle of the night. Not replayed very much, not cut up very much. But again, if you're up in the West, the mountain and the Western time zones, that's your late night sports center. Uh, Neil Everett on the record saying that ESPN offered for him to continue at a pay cut. And I, I'm not so sure that some of these others, Chelios, Susie Colbert, or Steve Young might not have been told. We we would keep you, but it would be less money. They'll have to say that uh, in and of themselves. Uh, but I do know this. There are other ESPN employees that I'm sure this has been put to. Uh, if you are willing to take uh, 40% less money, 50% less money, you can stay on in a role with us, and then they've got a decision to make. Um, and I have, honestly, I have been in those positions a couple of different times where you've got to make that decision. I, I had one of those decisions with Sirius XM, departing them after doing national everything sports morning show and PGA Tour radio. Management comes to you and says, you're not going to be full-time anymore. You're not going to be paid your salary anymore. You're going to be paid by the show at a significant pay cut. And the alternative for me, because I had a contract and uh, because I had a severance deal through the company, the alternative for me was take the severance buyout. And so I, I elected to do that. I have been in this position before. That's what I'm saying to you, where a lot of these ESPN sports center talking heads or other uh, analysts or hosts are in that position right now. So we'll see that the thing I keep saying to many media colleagues and to those that are, that are wondering about this, and I'm saying it here on the podcast, if you continue to see a lot of the same faces uh, last year, this year, and into 2024, you can pretty well bet that for most of them, they either accepted some kind of a pay cut or depending on how high price they are or not, ESPN just simply decided we're going to continue to use them for right now. And then when their contract is up, we won't renew them, whether that's at the end of 2023, whether that's next summer, whatever it is, because part of that mentality comes from the purge that they did in 2017, where they purged numerous different employees in different walks on the camera from college football insiders to NFL personalities to sports center anchors and on and on. And in a lot of cases, those people had multiple years left on their deals and ESPN continued to pay them for multiple years to not work. And I think part of this thinking and strategy right now is if it's people with expiring contracts at the end of this year or even at the end of, let's say, summer of 2024, have them work for that money as opposed to just sitting out, if that's the case. So uh, we'll see if if more departures are announced, if, if more people disappear, because the cost cutting is there. The edict is there from Disney uh, across the board on their different companies, including ESPN, which is owned by them. So we'll see what happens with the Sports Center anchors. By the way, speaking of the broadcasting musical chairs, I have friends and colleagues uh, that I will name here, including Tiki Barber, who's uh, my college uh, football brother of play-by-play of -play broadcasting on Compass Media Networks. And, and Tiki's had a diversified post-NFL 
career, playing career, and he was a tremendous NFL running back. But now he's he's done things like the Today Show. He's done, uh, obviously, uh, Fox News previously. He's done games in the booth for Fox on TV and for CBS on TV, play-by-play of the NFL I'm talking about. But Tiki uh, has been working with Brandon Tierney as a radio host on CBS Sports Radio nationally and then on WFAN middays for the better part of about 10 or 11 years. Well, in a shakeup now of the WFAN lineup that includes Craig Carton leaving their afternoon show, leaving WFAN, leaving the station and going strictly with TV, Carton uh, on the record saying in his departure that it is a money move. It is to make more money on TV and work one job instead of both jobs and still uh, doing radio. And and look, I I could go on for 15 more minutes about the whole thing with Craig Carton. And if you're not completely familiar, you can look it up on the Internet and all the stories. But the bottom line with him is he defrauded a lot of a lot of people that trusted him, a lot of friends of his, a lot of business associates of his. A lot of media friends of his, he defrauded them of money, ripped them off. Uh, Gambling addiction was part of it, but still he stole from them. He didn't hold a gun up and rob them in a traditional sense of giving me your money or else, but he took money from them under false pretenses and wasted it and spent it and blew it. Now, to Carton's credit, he served time in federal prison. He's trying to make what's called restitution in the legal world and pay some of it back. He's even admitted that this deal to go with Fox Sports 1 and continue his uh, morning show that he's doing on TV there that doesn't have very many people watching it, frankly, uh, as if he expands his roles, he's expanding his money. He's using some of that money to try to make restitution with people that he ripped off. So that's honorable. That's good. So Carton is leaving. Tiki Barber will now be part of the afternoon show with Evan Roberts, who was a, a former overnight host. Uh, Roberts is is still in hot water with Tampa Bay Rays fans for trying to imply that the Rays have somehow been cheating this year while they've had the best record in baseball and the best offense in baseball, but primarily the Yankees, the Yankees fans, the blowhards that are on sports radio in New York or in the New York media can't figure out why the Rays keep beating the Yankees all the time, including in regular season series, including in the playoff series in 2020. Repeatedly, the Yankees can't beat the Tampa Bay Rays on the field. And so it, it's got to be that there's something nefarious. There's got to be cheating. So Everett, Evan Roberts went viral with idiotic comments, a part of the show with Chris Carton. Uh, what was it? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. They're 18-3 and three at home. I'm just saying. And the, and the Rays have gone on to win Buku games on the road. Uh, the, the Rays offense has still continued to be amazing, even in, in road situations and even into the month of June. Uh, and it looks like for all intents and purposes, they're going to be right there in the toughest division in baseball as the division leader, if not the division winner, when it's all said and done. We'll see. It's a long season and they have uh, less of a payroll. Obviously, the Yankees, the Red Sox at a much more distinct advantage with what they spend year in and year out. We'll see. But anyway, Evan Roberts now gets the the golden opportunity to be on. Uh, in the lead chair with Tiki Barber as kind of the guy that's 1A, that's the athlete, that's the name that can relate the former stories. Evan's the radio guy. We'll see what happens there. But again, I've got friends, obviously, that work. And you've heard Danielle McCartan on this station who works very hard and does a great job on the weekend. And my hope would be they reward her at some point in one of these shakeups. They've repeatedly had shakeups at WFAN. And WFAN has uh, had um, a, a woman... Uh, in Maggie Gray that was on with them during their day parts on a regular uh, Monday through Friday show. They've been diversified with minorities that have been on uh, as well. But I would love to see Danielle get an opportunity in their five-day-a-week lineup. 
I, I think she's good enough. She's gone viral recently with some comments uh, firing back at a caller. I think she's grown as a talk show host. She's tremendously knowledgeable. She's passionate. And they have put so many different producers and people out of the producer role or the board op role that eventually get a chance to be on the air as a co-host into hosting roles. I would love her to, to get that opportunity. So WFAN shaking up their lineup coming in July. Tiki now part of it in the afternoon. Brandon Tierney has a new partner uh, as well on the midday show. So Tiki and Tierney is no more. It's now uh, Evan and Tiki uh, in the afternoon on WFAN where Mike and the Mad Dog were there for so many years. For the better part of about three decades they were there. But that's long broken up and long gone now on the number one sports radio station uh in America. All right, a couple of more things, and then we're going to get to JT the Brick, speaking of sports radio, and a tremendous conversation with him in just a few moments. Uh, the U.S. Open golf concludes, and a, a win for Wyndham Clark, not a well-known name, but it's the United States Championship. It's in prime time. It's in Los Angeles. And I know I've talked a lot of golf recently, but I, I come out of a golf background of working PGA Tour radio, as I said. Uh, I have been a golf fan have talked about golf. I'm in a golf market, West Central Florida, the Tampa Bay market, Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater. It's a big golf market. Uh, this is not Des Moines, Iowa. Th this is uh, this is not uh, Salem, Massachusetts. It's, it's not uh, Pocatello, Idaho. When it comes to talking golf, it's different in Florida. It's different in Southern California. It's different when talking golf in places, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, the, you know, uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix area where golf is prevalent. Uh, but the U.S. Open had tremendous ratings, yes, in prime time, and it only reinforces yet again why you want your sports in prime time. The final round of the U.S. Open back on Sunday night averaged over 6 million people watching in prime time on a June Sunday night. And the closeout for Wyndham Clark's win over Rory McIlroy, and of course, Ricky Fowler had been a great story as well. McIlroy, one of the top names in the game. Ricky Fowler, a very popular player. Wyndham Clark's uh, win averaged over 8 million viewers in the primetime window and over 10 million that were watching the 9.30 to 10 p.m. Eastern time conclusion of the final round. So that is the highest rated audience since Phil Mickelson's win at the PGA Championship in 2021, in May of 2021. The numbers, the $6 million, or the, I'm sorry, the $6 million uh, fan audience rating is similar. In fact, it's just below the last uh, open that was watched in 2019 in prime time. West Coast audience for that open uh, was was right around 7 million in 2019. So no Tiger Woods, Phil not in contention, the biggest names in golf of the last 25 to 30 years, uh, going back 30 years for Phil Mickelson, which is incredible. Um they weren't involved in this, yet the audience number is still strong. And now one final major to go, and that's the Open Championship, or what we call the British Open, which, again, is time displaced. It's in the morning and the early afternoon on uh, NBC and its outlets, Peacock, USA Network, et cetera, for those four days of coverage uh, upcoming from Hoy Lake. And we'll see what happens. Cam Smith is the defending champion. The Australian Rory McIlroy won the British Open or the Open Championship the last time it was at Hoy Lake. Tiger Woods previously won it. Woods still injured. Foot surgery again. I don't know that we're ever going to regularly see Tiger again. But in any event, the golf still held 
strong the other night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And by the way, I've got one other item here, and we'll get to JT the Brick here in just a second and that conversation. And that is we're now a week later after the announced departure for medical reasons of Jay Monahan. And I simply pose this. Look, um, I understand that privacy is an important thing, but by the same token, Jay Monahan's very much a public figure as the commissioner of the PGA Tour. And this is a newsworthy thing where he has departed under what I, I think safely can be said as suspicious, dubious circumstances. And was it an uprising behind the scenes? And they're simply saying that it was a medical leave for the embattled commissioner who did a deal with the Saudi PIF investment fund and, and basically pulled the rug right out from under his players that were towing the PGA tours talking points uh, and and trying to stand on virtue and trying to stand on the right side of history and blood money. So here's the way that I will put this. We're now seven days after this statement and this announcement. And I'm just asking, I'm not a golf insider. I don't travel in these circles. I have friends and acquaintances that are golf media members. We talked to one, uh, Bob Herrig of the uh, sportsillustrated.com, used to be with ESPN.com. Um, it, it is their job to dig to whatever extent they're going to dig. I find it fascinating that none of the golf media, the golf channel, golf.com, golfdigest.com, nowhere, USA Today.com, any outlet, yahoosports.com, nobody, nobody anywhere has been able to come up with what's the medical situation that Jay Monahan departs the PGA Tour with for right now to step away while others will run it in his place. If it's not him being ousted because the biggest names in golf that are still beholden to the PGA Tour and towed the line want him gone. So, again, we sit here a week later. Is it going to be another week before we find this out? Was it heart-related? Is it stress-related with high blood pressure? Is it is it something else? I, I, I don't wish ill. I'm just saying, where is the reporting on what this was or what this is? And I understand we we all have this natural uh, inclination to rubberneck, as we call it in the South, and look for the traffic accident and look back at the traffic accident to see who all's injured and how mangled the cars are. We have this obsession with knowing everything everywhere. But again, Jay Monahan's a very public figure. This has been a very public story. Um, and... Ask yourself this, as I said last week, seven seven weeks, days ago, last week on this Sports Media Watch, uh, on, on this podcast, on this Last Word on Sports Media podcast, formerly sportsmediawatch.com uh, with John Lewis, I ask you that seven days ago I said it's all highly suspicious and maybe there is something medical to this. 
But in seven days, if Roger Goodell was embattled with some kind of controversy with the NFL players and was being forced out somehow, some way, one, I, I wonder how that would be kept under wraps as it is. But if Roger Goodell suddenly took a medical leave, are we seriously saying that Adam Schefter of ESPN, the, the consummate NFL insider, I know Ian Rappaport works for NFL media, so it would be a little touchier for him to be able to find out as an insider. But Jay Glazer of Fox Sports doesn't work for NFL media and is one of the best information news-breaking guys that's out there. One of those three guys wouldn't have found out in a week what the situation was with Roger Goodell. It wouldn't have leaked from any of their sources and they wouldn't have talked about it. Let me go a step further with the NBA. If Adam Silver was having a player uprising on whatever subject, it is their money, social injustice, what, whatever. There's an uprising from the players that are unhappy with him, that don't want him to be the commissioner, and they're portraying it as a as a medical situation. Number one, back to uh, ESPN's top insiders, Wood Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, the Woj bombs. Would he not find that out? And would not? Uh, th- there are numerous other NBA insiders. Yahoo's uh, Shams Charina is his name. I believe I have that right. I read him some of the time. The information, but uh, but all of the different NBA insiders in the New York media, Stephen A. Smith's another one off of ESPN. None of them would find out what the deal is with Adam Silver and what's really going on and report it. So it only speaks to one thing here as far as I'm concerned right now. It can only be one of two things. Number one, either they do know what this is and they're trying to work on it and trying to verify it and we're going to find out about it sometime soon here shortly on whatever the health situation is and or they've been told privately hey it is serious it is a big deal please keep it private and maybe that is the case they've brokered that but i can't believe somebody wouldn't break ranks leak it put it out there tmz wouldn't find out about it leak it and break it and put it out there so that's scenario number one that they're trying to verify it and or they have found out that it is something serious and they're being asked to keep it quiet, at least in the short term. Okay. But is the second thing, and I'm not just being conspiratorial, is the second thing that so many of these guys have weighed, is my access going to be cut off to players and the biggest names? Is my access going to be cut off by the PGA Tour at events if I go ahead and blow this open with this story? And I have to evaluate to do my job as a reporter, as an insider, whether I'm going to break this. And again, I I find it hard to believe that there wouldn't be PGA players that would talk on background and would say, yeah, this is not really a medical thing. We wanted to get rid of him. And maybe that's going to come out coming up. But again, it can only be one of those two things. And I just bring it back to if it was Goodell, if it was Roger Goodell leaving for whatever reason, because there were problems with the NFL play, we would know they would, they would report it. They would tell us. And especially if you were trying to use the cover of it's a medical situation, if it was cover and if it was not cover, they would say it's it's a cancer diagnosis or he would announce it or they would find it out. Same thing with Adam Silver in the uh, in the NBA. I don't know about Rob Manfred in the baseball media, again, going back to like the Buster Olneys or uh, Jeff Passan or. Ken Rosenthal, who's had his beefs with Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, Rosenthal now with Fox Sports and The Athletic. I, you know, I, I don't know how much they would go in and report and find that out if there was some kind of player unhappiness that was leading to a cover story, if that's what it is, about medical stuff that wasn't medical stuff. So again, for what we do with sports media, I thought I would just put this 
out again. Maybe maybe we'll find this out, and hopefully it's it, it is. I I really hope it's not anything serious, and it is just the back and forth, and he's being ousted, deposed as the leader of the PGA Tour because of what went on. And yes, TJ on the last word on sports media podcast can be a big I told you so because I've been telling you so uh, about this whole live golf thing in the PGA Tour since last year. And uh, the live golf is going to crank back up with events. I think it is still interesting just one more time here that we don't have anything definitive on what this new entity looks like. Uh, They're trying to debunk that it's not a merger of the two tours, that there's going to be different events and a different tour in 2024. I don't know that any of that comes to fruition. I don't know that any of this gets approved by the Department of Justice in the U.S. I do know this. Live Golf's about to play events again, and we're going to definitively hear in the next couple of weeks because we have to is live going on is is live going to continue into 2024 what are they saying on the record they kind of held off on the u.s open we'll find that out in due time all right without further delay as i mentioned special guest time now here is part of this pod my colleague jt the brick love the brick the overnight uh insight in many different forms he's going to tell you a lot about his story and i'm looking forward to there's a lot of great there's a lot of meat on the bone starting with vegas and a world championship a stanley cup championship in hockey his broadcast career and much more oh my goodness i've been looking forward to catching up with this man for all things las vegas including the vegas golden Knights stanley cup champions how does that sound and it's truth it's reality and they've even had the parade and the unelected mayor or at least one of them of las vegas is my man jt the brick brick at night on sirius xm's mad dog radio as well as raiders radio over the air in vegas and through their uh, social channels, etc. My Fox Sports Radio brother from another mother. We are part of the alumni there. You always welcomed me in as a as a mainstay host. I was kind of a weekend guy. I was I was kind of like a stopgap guy here. I'd fill in for the brick every now and then. Good to have you, my friend. Good to catch up with you again. Great to see you, my friend. And we go back a long way. And I'm proud of you, your broadcast <laughs> career. When I'm listening to a big, big, big college football game, or I'm driving around, or I'm we're talking boxing because yeah, boxing and now sports entertainment capital of the world. So we have a lot in common. I hope you're doing well and good to do a little summertime. I talk about summertime radio. Yeah, uh, we've got one thing: the JT and Looney podcast. Wherever yes. you download your podcast, we're doing summer programming now, which isn't as intense because we're waiting for training camp as you and I are both doing that with two NFL teams. So a little light, a little light time here in the summer. And I love me some JT and Looney and always have, uh, including the JT and Looney podcast. They got to find it wherever they get podcasts. Uh, All right, let's get right to it. Uh, Stanley Cup parade for the Vegas Golden Knights. And they did it right. We knew they would. The, The Vegas did it right. You were there. Tell tell us more about what was that like to experience it, uh, and I and I I have to believe it was thrilling as as a uh, somebody that's been a resident for a long time in Vegas to see this to fruition, to have them win the whole thing, and then be part of the parade. Partially surreal, partially thrilling, but I won't speak for you. Go ahead. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. If we go back to a week ago, past Tuesday, they win the cup and they win it. They win it easily. And that's a really side topic here because whenever you can see your team win a championship and you have seen that with the Buccaneers and the Lightning, you don't want the sweat. 
especially if you're a gambler, you don't want the sweat. And at the end of the second period, it was so surreal. I was in one of the owner's boxes, the Maloof family, who owned the Sacramento Kings uh, back in the day. They have a small percentage of the Golden Knights. And I'm in their box with Owen Wilson, the actor. And we're in this catered box with par- partial owners. And I'm looking at everybody, and I'm like, I'm not even looking at the ice. The game's over. End of the second period, it's over. And then we started to think about the parade. So when they won, TJ, on that Tuesday night, you came out after the game and the glow of the sun setting. Because in the Pacific time zone, it's just better than the Eastern time zone because things end earlier. So that night was a really big party. And then they decided they were going to have the parade on Saturday. And it was the first ever championship parade, I believe, in sports history at night. So that was going to take away the crowd. We weren't going to get 400, 600, 700,000 people, but it gave you the glitz and glamour of seeing the buses come down the strip and Toshiba Plaza at night. So that really added to it. And look, it it wasn't a long wait. It was only six years to win a cup. Uh, They were in it year one, lost to Ovechkin and the Capitals. Five years later, they win the cup and beat the Florida Panthers. And it is surreal. It's great. It's unbelievable for Vegas. They just had a WNBA championship. The owner of the Raiders, Mark Davis, owns that team. And now to see the Golden Knights get it done with the Raiders being here, the Super Bowl F1 coming up here later on. So it's an exciting time to be in Vegas. I'm very lucky to be here. So let's follow up on that. And I want to get a little bit into your story and into your broadcast career. But you have been in that market now for some 15 or 20 years plus doing national shows and now obviously associated with the Raiders. Does it just amaze you at how sports leagues have opened up uh, it was the NHL first, then the NFL moving the Raiders there, and now Major League Baseball looks like it's going to have the A's move, all things being equal, to Las Vegas. Does it just amaze you the amount of attention nationally that Vegas is now getting with all of these sports teams on television, on the internet, to have all of that? Just give me some more on that aspect of Vegas really coming into its own as a sports market. Well, it's criminal that Vegas wasn't allowed to have pro sports teams because we were so afraid of gambling. And now all we do is talk gambling. There are commercials and ads, and I'm sure in your podcast and my, my podcast, hand is up. For, yes. Right, for gaming and everybody, you know, Tony Romo, everybody talks about couldn't have his fantasy football camp out here. And everybody was freaking out. Then all of a sudden we saw the money. We saw the birth of gaming apps and gambling revenue coming into sports. And all of a sudden, everybody said, okay. But it was a blessing in disguise for a couple of reasons. First off, we weren't ready for professional sports. The size of the market is not big enough. So when you saw Tommy Hearns fight Hagler or Ali fight in Vegas or Dana White in UFC, you always knew that it was never about Vegas's market size, TJ. It was about how does Vegas look on television and why are all these great events here? We have two NASCAR races a year. We have the National Finals Rodeo. We have all these professional teams now. Why did we have to wait so long? Because everybody was paranoid about gambling in Las Vegas being connected, and then mysteriously it goes away. So as the market size is increasing, because more and more people are fleeing California like I did because of state taxes, number one, mm-hmm. and the lifestyle being a little bit better out here, a little bit cheaper. Yeah, we miss the ocean. We miss the water. But everything else here is fantastic. Now everybody's starting to see the jewel in the desert, not only as a tourist destination, but a place where athletes want to live. They want the tax break, and professional teams want to come here because here's the key. 
It's so easy to do business in Vegas. No one says no. They get right back to you. Construction booms here. Never, most things don't get overrun. Most things get done on time and on budget. So more and more leagues are saying, let's do more business professionally in Las Vegas. Love the insight of JT the Brick. Uh, again, I, I I was a fan of the Brick and a, and a media fan of the Brick long before I got to meet him and interact with him and be part of Fox Sports Radio. And I want to get into that a little bit uh, with you because I don't know these answers. And this is fascinating right. on a sports media podcast. So most are probably aware that your break, if you will, was as a caller to the Jim Rome show in the 1990s. And I remember hearing the brick as a caller in the 90s, and you eventually won the very famous smack-off. That was the first one, right? The yeah, first, first ever. One. You're the answer to the trivia question for all time, for all the clones, that you won the first ever smack-off. I don't know these answers, so I'm just curious along with it. Did you ever have aspirations to do sports talk, radio, sports media, or did you kind of just fall into this as a caller on the Rome show? I wonder that about you. Yeah, great question. I had no aspirations. I was a very young, successful stockbroker at the time. If you go back and watch the movie Wolf of Wall Street, which we've all seen, but the most important one, Boiler Room, that came before that, that was me. That was the actual group of guys and the firm that I worked for. So for fun, go back and watch Boiler Room because it was I love it. Not only Gio the Giovanni Ravisi, Ben yes. Affleck, who am I leaving out? Vin Diesel, who am I leaving Diesel. out? I love that. Ben I love Diesel, that movie, Boiler Room. Ben, yes. Vin Diesel and Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was played by my Ben Affleck played my supervisor, and Vin Diesel played my roommate. How I was not in the movie <laughs> as a character, which was great, but that's the movie. So I started off selling low price stocks, and I was a stockbroker, making three hundred cold calls a day. By the time I was twenty one years old, I was driving a Porsche. And I was making, you know, $10,000 a month. But it was a burnout sport that I was in at the time. I mean, the, I worked five years, six years, and I kind of went legit. I worked at a small place like those boiler rooms. And then I ended up getting hired by Smith Barney. And then I transferred to Merrill Lynch. But I moved out west to Smith Barney. And I like sports radio, but I wasn't a fan. I wasn't listening to Mike and the Mad Dog in New York. I wasn't a guy that every day, man, I was listening to sports radio. I was working. I was working my mm -hmm. ass off as a successful young stockbroker, but I got to San Diego with that Porsche and my world started to shrink because I was partying at that time. I moved to California. I'm in my mid twenties. I really didn't want to get up with the market. Remember the market opens up at six 30 in the morning compared to nine 30. And I was getting burnt out at that time. And I remember listening to sports radio in San Diego when it was Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And it was Steve Hartman and Chet Forty and Jim Rome. And I remember being in my car and not wanting to get out of the vehicle because I love listening to the show. And then I started calling. And instantly, I was a very good caller, but I only called on one topic, the Knicks. So finally, long story short, Jim Rome <laughs> called me JT from La Jolla. And then when John Starks missed all those threes and Pat Riley wouldn't take him out of the game, it was a mm. lot. The Knicks were going to win the title. Rome started calling me JT the Brick because it rhymes with Knicks and the Knicks were putting up. So that stuck. I got invited for his first ever caller-driven contest called the Smack Off. Really, it was the American Idol of sports radio decades before American Idol, and I won it. And if I would have came in second, fourth, or fifth, you and I would have never met. I wouldn't have met my wife. Mm. My kids wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in Las Vegas. So as I wrote in my book, The Handoff, 
when that door opened, when that door opened, I walked through it. And a lot of people said to me, you're nuts. You're giving up a six-figure job to be a sports radio host. And a company named Sports Fan Radio Network heard me. I sent in a cassette tape. And Charlie Barker, the program director, said, come out and meet us and start filling in and doing some weekend overnights. They offered me $25,000. I asked for 30. They met in the middle of 28 <laughs> in 1996. And I packed up my car and knew one guy in Vegas. I stayed in the side room and I started doing midnight to 5 a.m. Pacific, mm. which was 3 a.m. And my big break came as I started off my first ever radio show on 100 stations from KMBR in San Francisco to WQAM in Miami to WEEI in Boston. So right. that was my big break. It all came because of Jim Rome, and it all came because of Sports Fan Radio Network in the uh, mid-'90s. And I remember hearing you on that, and you became an institution overnight at a time in which there was not a lot of, uh, let's just say, compelling sports talk. They really gravitated to you. I remember hearing you. I remember being on a sports radio station in Tampa that was a sports fan radio network affiliate, and I would yes. hear the brick overnight when I was doing morning stuff, getting ready to do morning stuff. Uh, the next day. Um, so ju just give me a little insight into that. It's a different audience. Yeah. You have insomniacs. You have people that are working all night, long haul truck drivers. Uh, you can joke that it's people with no lives in some instances. What are you doing up at three in the morning and five in the morning, listening to a show and calling a show, but you, you helped along with others make that into a, a day yeah. part, essentially, where there's audience there, we can advertise to it. So what is that? What was that like to get used to that? I'm just curious of the middle of the night audience. Yeah, I haven't talked about this much. So that's why I'm really happy to join you on this is because I was a businessman at the time. Okay, I was in business. I didn't get into radio. For those who are watching or listening now, more and more people ask me in the business, how do I get my start? It was a different time when I got my start. You could make $200,000 doing overnights. You could. You could make a quarter of a million dollars doing overnights. And the reason why at that time was because of the size of the syndication. Back then, there was no syndicated radio. There was no Fox Sports Radio. There was one-on-one -on -one and sports fan radio network, and I think the birth of ESPN Radio. But at that time, all of these great radio stations, we're not talking small ones, and they're all good. The big ones weren't going to hire someone locally at night. So what they were going to do is they were going to go to a syndicator. And for this example, Sports Fan Radio, before I went to Fox, I was on everywhere. And I was smart enough to understand that being out west, that I would bleed into morning drive in Boston, Tampa, Miami. So it could have been Bubba the Love Sponge on FM. It could have been a great radio show, Dennis and Callahan in Boston. And those guys would be prepping for their show 30 minutes before it starts and I'm sitting in Vegas or San Francisco later on doing a show. I think a damn good show because of my energy at that time. And I would lead into all of those morning shows. And I didn't want to lose that space, TJ, because, again, I moved up to better time slots and I moved up earlier. But those overnight years were important to me because I cared. And I would get on the phone. I'll never forget this story. I'd get on the phone and I'd call the program directors. And one of my bosses in Vegas said, what are you doing? I said, well, that's what I do for a living. I cold call people. I introduce myself. So I call Bob Agnew in San Francisco. I call Bruce Gilbert in Dallas. Some of the biggest names, Jason mm -hmm. Wolf in Boston, Gabe Hobbs. Gabe in, Tampa. Hobbs in Tampa. Yes, legend. And, yes. And I would get them on the phone 
because I was so superior on the phone being a stockbroker that I'd get through the secretary, get him on, and I'd say, hey, I'm the guy on your radio station at night. And what I was doing at that time, I was, a, I was setting them up to build a relationship, to be keep me on the radio, and God forbid if I needed a job five, ten years from now, these guys would remember me for meeting me at the Rick Scott conference or going. So I always knew that even though who cares what time you're on, especially now. Now in the platforms that we're on, you could watch this podcast in overnight. You can watch it in the morning after your workout. But back then, all I cared about was being on the biggest radio stations in America. And the only chance I was going to get was by doing late night radio. Great stuff. Great stuff from JT the Brick. Again, Brick at Night on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Radio. Also, the JT and Looney podcast, wherever you get podcasts. The Raiders coverage also locally in Vegas and through all of their social social channels as well. Does a midday show that is primarily Raiders in the football season, but it does everything in and around that uh, as well. I think I got all of your stuff uh, yeah, there yeah. on that. All right, so let, let's have some fun. Uh, because you and I can relate in so many different ways. I mean, I was smiling while you were talking because I went from doing local radio in Tampa, and I don't know that you know this about me, but I did the national thing with Prime Sports, a competitor a competitor to Fox uh, Sports Radio, to Sports Fan Radio. I, I went to Prime Sports in the late 1990s for one year. I was there for one year before I came back to Tampa, and it was kind of the same thing where I got a pay raise to go there to go do national stuff, and then I actually got a better deal to come back to Tampa and do local radio and do some play-by-play, -play, which helped launch. You and I are a lot more alike than probably we realize sure. in, in a lot of regards on this because I still remember having the conversation with my family. You're going to move to Dallas where you don't know anybody and you're going to work on a national network. And by the way, there's not even an affiliate in Tampa that's going to run you. We can't hear you anymore. The internet's in its infancy. And I'm like, this is a career step up. Just like JT, the brick saying, this is, if I'm going to be on everywhere overnight, it's a career step up. It's a, uh, it's a big deal. All right. So I'm curious uh, now on this front, on a, on a personal level, you and I are a lot alike again. You have a graduate, you have a college graduate yeah. now, Mr. Brick. Tell, I mean, that is the coolest thing. You got a college graduate from the University of Oklahoma. I, I tried to hook up with the Brick a couple of years ago at an Oklahoma home football game. You remember this, but the Brick was being the Pied Piper tailgating, <laughs> had his son there, had the whole thing. But how cool is it that you have a college graduate from the University of Oklahoma now? I love that. Yeah, and he works for a, a sports agent now, and he's in the NIL division, name, image, and likeness. He chose to go to the University of Oklahoma, and it was the best decision of his life because living in Vegas, he went to the famed Bishop Gorman High School, where you see a lot of national stories coming out of that. Played football, was a backup offensive lineman, wasn't going to play on Saturdays. But he went to Oklahoma and had that incredible experience. He just graduated, and then I have a son. My youngest son is going to be a junior at Arizona State University. So uh, wow. he just turned 20 on June 18th. So I no longer have teenagers as we're <laughs> going to talk about you and the donuts yes. and the girls and the twins. So my wife and I just two nights ago graduated from having a teenager. So we'll never have that again. So I'm excited. My, but my boys make me very proud. They're very good, fine young men. They get good grades. They're better people. And I'm proud of them. And whatever they want to do in life, I'm going to support them the way my dad supported me.
I love it. And again, I'm experiencing with now 15 year olds next week, oh. they want to learn how to drive at the same time. And you remember this with your boys. There's a lot of people listening to us that can relate to driving lessons with. I got two of them at once, Mr. Brick. I am, as I've often related with the identical twins, I am the Sacramento King or the Denver Nugget back as a solo defender with magic and worthy coming two on one yes. right at them. You can you can identify with that reference. Not everybody gets that reference anymore because we're getting older. But I, I'm I'm like the lame Golden State Warrior of the '80s that's now got magic coming with AC Green on the wing, and it's over with. That's me with the Twins. But well, we got driving lessons going on right now, Mister. Yeah, Brett. you'll be fine with that because the Twins are great, and you can also everybody does this. You're going to pay for the professional driver's school. Yes, plus what you do. But what's going to happen? How now? about this? You ready for this? While yeah. we just relate for a second, they are going to George M. Steinbrenner High School, Yankee fan, named after the George Steinbrenner here in North Tampa, in the North Tampa suburb of Lutz is where we live. So they go to Steinbrenner High School. They don't really know who that is. The kids at the school sort of know that it's the older guy that had a lot of money. They don't boss. know about the Yankee stuff. What with the boss but the boss's name on the school so they are steinbrenner warriors they go to steinbrenner high school so the interesting thing about this steinbrenner high school is one of the most populated public schools in tampa and driver's ed is a lottery you have a literal lottery and it's only for the uh i guess the sophomores and the juniors are the only ones eligible but there are literally about 1,500 sophomores and juniors, and so driver's ed is a lottery at the high school. In other words, dad is going to probably be the driver's ed, Mr. Brick, because they can't get in driver's ed at Steinbrenner High School. How about that, that for a little insight? amazing story. What happens if one of the twins gets the lottery, the other does Great point. If one about. gets pulled and the other one doesn't, I got issues. Now we got to figure that out, too. It's another... It's another well, good point on this. I love when you share about your twin girls and you post the donuts on the weekend. <laughs> my father's an identical twin. And I love it. My dad, my dad, they're 85 years old. My son was born on their birthday, May 24th. So I grew wow. up son of identical twins. So I felt like I had two dads whenever my uncle was around. Still to this day, if my dad and uncle are in the same room at 85, some people can't tell them apart. So I know. I my friend, my friend, they walk alike. You know this. They walk yeah. alike. They sit and watch TV with their head cocked to the side. I know they can't see us right now. They sit and watch TV without knowing it with their head cocked to the side the same way. It's just it's crazy uh, to be parents and, and to be uh, doing all this. You mentioned the book, The Handoff. And uh, and tell me more about why you wanted to write that, because there was a special person that was giving you career advice. And I got to deal with him a little bit at mm -hmm. Fox Sports Radio in the early days. Uh, but tell me more about the book, because that's another part of you and, and your story. Yeah, that's probably my proudest accomplishment is writing the book, The Handoff. It was about my mentor, Andrew Ashwood, who when I started off in radio, when I started, it's right how we began this conversation. One of the stations I was on was the ticket in San Antonio and the ticket in San Antonio and WOAI. They were the flagship of the Spurs. So this was a Memorial Day miracle. This is Sean Elliott, Avery Johnson, David Robinson, those eras, and I'm on. And Andrew's listening to me one night because that's his job, and he's a program director, and he's a former DJ. And he calls into the show and gets on hold and wants to talk to me during a break. And my producer, who's still my producer today, Bobby Machado, goes, hey, there's this guy on who claims to be the program director in San Antonio and Miami, excuse me, it was Miami at the time, WQAM before. And he goes, 
he wants to talk to you. So I get on the phone with him. He goes, quick, hey, I'm, I'm Andrew Ashwood. He looked like a combination of Grizzly Adams and John Candy. Heavy set guy in the 300s, big beard, life of the party. He goes, I'm going to send you my playbook. It's a playbook on sports radio. He goes, just a book, read it. When you're done, call me back. So FedEx comes at the time, and there's a book, a really thick book. It looks mm-hmm. like an NFL playbook. I get it, and I read it in less than 24 hours. There was a lot of news clippings and do's and don'ts of radio. And I call him two days later, and he goes, did you get the book? I go, yeah, I read the book. He goes, no way. I go, I did. And we formed this friendship. So he immediately brings me out to San Antonio to do a remote, which Jim Rome's at. How surreal is that? The guy got my start, Scott mm-hmm. Farrell. The fabulous sports band. Yes, Tampa's fabulous Tampa's sports fabulous band. Sports band. Nancy Donnellan, yes. We come out there, and me and him become great friends, thick as thieves. Well, longer story short, then he becomes the program director at Fox Sports Radio, and he moves from San Antonio to L.A. And I'm like, oh, my God, one of my best friends in my life. He was at my wedding. He gave the speech at my rehearsal dinner in front of my parents. He's my boss. I got it made. Right. The guy writes my checks. The guy was giving Mm -hmm. me raises. And what happened was that relationship being friends with your boss never works great. And our relationship started to fray. It started to fray a bit because he was hiring other people I didn't agree with. I was chirping too much. Mm. He wasn't calling me the way he used to call me. Hey, let's go barbecue and this and that. And he decided he met uh, his wife and he came to me. And I thought I was going to be the best man. Literally, I thought I had a chance to be the best man. He didn't invite me to his wedding. Wow. So that was one of the biggest moments of my life because I told my wife, I go, how am I not getting invited to this wedding? And my wife says, because you're too loud. He's not comfortable with you right now. That's not the space for you to be in. And at that wedding was Jay Glazer and former NFL star James Washington and a lot of other people that I'm like, they're there, but I'm not. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because when he came back from his honeymoon, which he got married in Mexico, he called me into his office on a Friday. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'm getting fired. It's a classic mm. radio, radio Friday. Mm-hmm. She looked at me and she says, Andrew's not going to fire you. I go, well, you didn't invite me to his wedding. And he's calling me on a Friday to come into his office. And I show up in his office and he's on his computer and he has his back to me. And he turns around in his office and I'll never forget this moment. And he basically tells me he's got pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Just found out he was diagnosed with this. He asked me to be his chemo partner to help drop everything and help them on this journey, which was going to be intense. He's running a major network. He's got what turns out to be at the time we didn't know terminal cancer. And he just got married. And he didn't want to put all of the burden on his wife, who carried a lot of the burden, was going to help along the way. He knew I was the guy. And the moral of the story and the reason why I wrote the book, The Handoff, is we never talked about our differences. We never had that, hey, I apologize you didn't go to the wedding or me going, how the hell did you not invite me? What's going on? Nothing was said. He just said, call these people. I'm going here. I'm going to MD Anderson. We're going to do this. And I sat with him for a number of months as his chemo partner. I would go to the sessions with him, Mm -hmm. talk with him. I'd observe everything. I'd call people because he was a big talker. He didn't want to talk to anybody. I'd be the guy, hey, talk to JT if you want to check in. And everybody wanted to check on him. He eventually lost his fight with cancer and passed on. And I wrote the book, The Handoff, on all the lessons I learned 
during those chemo sessions and what he passed on to me to pass on to others and to other people. I was able to donate a proceeds from the book, which did well to City of Hope and try to keep his memory alive. And it just goes to show you the hook to the book and this conversation and everything. Whenever Andrew Ashwood's name comes up, I say the same thing. Whenever it's going to happen in your life, whenever you get the chance to help someone, drop everything. Your job might be important. Your family, your kids, they're going to be there for you. Drop everything. And I didn't drop my show. I was doing that show still. But I found ways to be with my friend when he needed me. And I think most people would do that if they're asked to do that. And that's why I'm proud of that relationship. And he's been the most, you know, I mentioned Jim Rome. I wouldn't have met Andrew if it wasn't for the Rome show winning the smack off. But the reason I'm still on the radio today in multiple platforms is every day before I crack a microphone, at some point in that day, I think of Andrew and what Andrew would say to me that day coming off a game, a championship, and he motivates me to do what I do still today. What a story, and thank you for that. And I knew most of what you were uh, had already gone through and know about the book and phenomenal stuff. And I will say this to you, Andrew actually encouraged me back about 20 yeah. years ago. He encouraged everybody and said, you can do this at a national level. I had done it at a national level. He said, you should be trying to do this at a national level. He was that kind of guy. And what a story. What a, what a friend you were. Uh, and I remember when all of that was going on as well in and around Fox Sports Radio, because you and I or around somebody, she was at Prime Sports in Dallas, Annie Zadorovich, and she's yeah. a pistol. She's a piece of work. But Annie, Annie was right there with Andrew while all this was going on. And so we're bonded, all of us, with all of these different people. And Annie and I still talk to this day. Hey, uh, and she still talks about Andrew all the time and in and around she's everything with Premier. Job. She's got a big job. Sure. And she had a big impact also and, and mm -hmm. someone I consider a friend. But, you know, people come in and out of your life. And a big, big deal for me is I've been very lucky in my life. I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of friends because I was a president of a fraternity. I grew up with a, I went to a big high school on Long Island. So there were kids, first graders, people I went to kindergarten and first grade who still are my friends. When I got into radio and I consider you a friend, I didn't care about making friends in radio. You know, I see it today where, you know, you see people and their friends and their friends on LinkedIn and all that. I never wanted to be that guy. I've treated everyone, I think, as good as I possibly can above me at my level. No one's below me. I don't care if you're a board op producer, you're just breaking into the business. I treat everyone the same, but I never wanted to get immersed with radio people because I had too many friends on the back end that I wanted to concentrate on, let alone my family. And there's individuals still in this business. Tom Looney. I talked to George Sinano, mm -hmm. Scott Kaplan the other day. I'm on your podcast and Damon Bruce and other people that are in my circle that I consider friends because I invested a lot of time in those friendships. But for radio on my Mount Rushmore, it's Andrew Ashwood leading the way. And I wish he was here today because he had a long life to live and it was struck down by cancer. And that's why I'm involved with coaches versus cancer out here in Vegas. And I try to get involved with all of these charities that I can, especially cancer related to keep his memory alive. I love it. And I thought of one other thing that I wanted to say about this, because you brought up a great example. We don't often know what others are going through, and we may assume and make the horrifically wrong assumption that just because it's not what we wanted in a time frame that we wanted, there may be something else going on. And if you get the chance to help someone do it, and, and you're, you're giving 
uh, you're pouring your heart out. And I love this figuratively. You're giving a great example of don't just assume and check up on people and say, is there anything I can do for you? I, I legitimately care. I'm legitimately concerned. And you may, you may be the light that they need. And Andrew, in his case, already knew you were that light that he needed and needed your help. So that's a great lesson yeah. that you shared. I, I love and, that. And about Andrew you. knew that I could cut. Andrew knew me well enough to knew that I could handle that burden, which wasn't a big burden for me. It was what I wasn't dropping my wife and kids. I lost a little bit of sleep, you know, instead of having a day to prep for my show, I'd sit at city of hope with him, but we talk sports. But the, the premise is, Whenever anyone asks you to drop everything and help them, just do it. It's very easy to do, but sometimes we think it we think it through too much. And when it comes to that, you know, Andrew was there. I remained at Fox. I was at Fox for 17 and a half years. And at that time, that was the longest tenured host ever by a long shot mm -hmm. at that network. And, you know, I went through a bunch of different trials and tribulations because i really wanted to end my career at fox i mean i was the guy that grew up and thought after 20 years i'd get a gold watch or there'd be a blurb about it somewhere because i really was loyal loyal and the mm -hmm. people on the other side ended up not being loyal different podcasts for a different day right but that's what drives me today i got a chance to meet some of the most important people in my career craig kitchen at the top of the list who was the architect of premiere and now i work with him on other platforms. So whenever you get into radio or any form of media for the, for the youngsters or other people that are looking to figure out what's next for them, just remember, you got to work. You got to outwork everybody. You got to keep the seat. Uh, my former agent, Matt Miller and Miller broadcast management was great at that very important arc in my life, not just radio, keep the seat. And a lot of people will still ask me, well, how'd you do eight hours a day? How come you're still doing two jobs a day today? I'm doing two shows. I'm doing a local show today and Mad Dog tonight because I want to take every shift that's offered to me. When I get a call from Mad Dog saying, hey, we got an opportunity for you to fill in for Danny Cannell or Christopher Mad Dog Russo, yes. Any chance that I could be on the radio or on a platform and people that can hear my opinions might be listening, that still drives me. In my mid-50s, when I started in my late 20s, it's to grab the attention on the radio or a past bloviate and talk about what I love to talk about, which is sports. I still remember this story. I'm going to jog your memory too. I'm, I'm in a shopping mall with my wife and with the twins in the early evening. We are out there little, this is probably 2014 when this happened, 2013. You'll remember it exactly when I'm about to bring it up. I get a call from Annie Zadorovich from Annie Z. And she says, you're not going to believe this. A backhoe has hit the transmitter at JT the Bricks radio station in Vegas, and we don't think we have a way to get him on the air tonight. You have the hookup, the radio hookup in your house. Can you fill in for him at least part of the time if he can't be there? Exactly your point. And my thing was, I'm all about doing for you guys because I'm the fill-in guy, holidays, weekends, whatever. That was about a two-hour notice that I had. Hey, the radio station tower got hit by a piece of moving equipment, yeah, and you can't broadcast. Video. You remember that, right? I do. And you know what's interesting? This is another topic that I'm so happy we're talking media. Yeah. Which I wasn't as prepared for, and you got it's me. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. was early in my career, and – the irony of this is on in July and in August, I'm filling in for Jim Rome on radio and TV. I do that every summer the last couple of years. 
And if you would have told me five, ten years, not if you told me I knew this to fill in for a show, I would have been angry. I, I, I would literally tell my wife, I'm not a fill-in guy. No, no, I'm not going to fill in for anybody. Mm-hmm. I got a show here, San Francisco. I got a show nationally at Fox. How dare someone ask me to fill in? I'm not a fill-in guy. And now I'm filling in for people. And it took me years to mentally get ready for that. And now I could care less. If you said, hey, man, you want to host this podcast? I'm going to Europe for two weeks. I'd do it because <laughs> mentally, mentally. Right. You're in the right place. place. Ego-wise, you're in the right place. Career-wise, you're in the right place. You're in a right. good place. Because sports radio, let alone sports media, it turns people into egomaniacs. Mm-hmm. And you start to listen to the voices in your head. Well, I'm not a fill-in host. Oh, I wouldn't fill in for that shift. Oh, how dare they take me for middays and make me go to overnights? What we learned with COVID, no one cares. No one cares anymore. When I started in the late 90s and the 2000s came in, it was an affiliate war. Hey, man, I'm on in Boston. You're not. I'm on in Seattle. You're not. I'm better than you, maybe. You might. So everybody was competing, and it was a competition, and I was lucky to get into the business at a time when salaries were spiking which is going the other way now. You know, you got Pat McAfee and Colin Coward, and you got guys who make millions of dollars. But the threshold has dropped where the people on the midday shows and the mid-markets and working overnight, so doing what they're doing, there's no more free money. I worked in the heyday of free money where you could make a ton of money in any day. Right. So I recommend to everybody else out there, find your own lane, find your niche, and now – as I said on my podcast with Looney, I am nothing more, nothing more than a sports radio bartender. I'll work the morning shift. I'll work lunch. I'll work happy hour. I'll work nights. I'll work a little bit on the weekend. I don't want to, but I will. I work six hours during the week, uh, six days during the week during football. I just knock down shifts now when the phone rings. And I'm very happy that my head's in the right space to do that now. It took a long Love time. Love it. Love it. And uh, and by the way, this is why I'm loyal to you. Even even when the brick needs me, if I'm on the road, et cetera, you were doing your your um, uh, Sunday night. I'm, I think I have the night right. Yeah. It was Sunday night football. Buccaneers and Tom Brady's return to Foxborough. And you and your producer were in contact with me. If there's any way we can get you after this game, We got to have you. And I kept saying to my Buccaneer people, I don't care about our timeline leaving or what we're doing. I'm doing this for this man because he's been very good to me and he wants me after this game because it's that big of a deal. And you'll remember this. I talked to you from the bowels of Gillette Stadium with Gene Deckerhoff standing right by me because we were trying to get out to a, a vehicle to get to where we had to go. We were not on the team plane. This is this is the year after the COVID craziness where we were not on the team plane, but we were trying to get in a car and get back to the hotel uh, in Providence right by the Providence airport, and it's the middle of the night. But I stopped everything and said, I'm going to come on with this guy because he's been great to me and he needs me. So I gave you a post-game thing. I mean, when is Tom Brady ever going to play against his old team in Foxborough again? It's probably never going to happen again unless he comes back again, which is probably not going to happen. That's that's the one time. And you wanted something from that game. And I even got you a fire them cannons from Gene Deckerhoff live on your show because I have the same mentality you do. You would not be asking if it was not important. Sure. And so it became important to me, JT. And one funny thing about Gene over the years with Looney on the updates or whoever on the updates, whenever I heard him, 
uh, and I always play the sound bites. One of the things I think I brought to radio in the last 25 years is I think we play better sound than any show of all time in sports because I incorporate that sound. I'm typically by myself on all these shifts. I need a little help with some sound to tell the story. And whenever we play a Buccaneer and I'd have to credit it, I'd always say Deckerhoff <laughs> at the end. And then I'd give the flagship affiliation because I love the way he was doing Florida State. Yes. Uh, Fred Belitnikoff's like a second dad to me. I have one dad mm-hmm. the best in the world. I talk to Fred Belitnikoff almost every day, the Florida State legend. That's right. So to know that Gene was doing Florida State and then the Bucks and I deal with Lincoln Kennedy with the Raiders, who's a great friend, and he's got to get from doing a Pac-12 game on Saturday to a Raider game on Sunday. You do it all the time being mm-hmm. on the Bucks sideline and doing college football i don't know how you guys do it because nowadays post covid you get to an airport i don't care if the weather's perfect you can see every star in the sky or it's blue skies you're sitting there going if i miss this flight i'm missing possibly my more important job the next day and that takes a lot that wears on you mentally and you've been great to do a college football game and then show up at a buck game and i remember that brady game well because it is important because listeners want to hear we used to have something back in the day called stringers mm-hmm. it was a part of the budget and now sports radio seems like it's going broke literally look at how many companies are worth 10 cents a share or going broke or cutting back and when i started in the business we had stringers so in the middle of the shift hey let's go live to miami and talk to blank and he'd be on the sideline or in the press box on the phone, need yes. to be a live update. Now we just count on the update anchors to give us the update when we used to be able to go to stringers who were bleeping live at the game. Imagine what those budgets were like back in the day. I think they were making $50 a game or $75 a game on a network, but they were very important to the sound of the broadcast and for the audience to feel like they're at the game, not feel like they're listening to a sports update in a studio, but to say, oh, my God, that's Jack Armpriester, or uh, look, look who, who is that? That's Howard Eskin, or this guy. You can hear him at the game. Sports radio will never have that again. That is done. That is done. We will never see that in the rest of our lifetime. Yeah, the Internet changed all of that, too, where you could instantaneously social media, too, where you can instantaneously see the score, the highlight, and what happened. But you're right. We lived off of that. Uh, back in the uh, in the 90s in particular, early internet days, uh, et cetera, on having all of those people. And I'm thrilled whenever you call me about, hey, I need you. I need oh, you after a game. I need you uh, before a game, whatever well, how it about is. This? How about this? Not to interrupt. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. Yes. So I was at the game. Oh, my God. I, I it's, it's a nightmare for me because the Raiders were much better than their record last year. <laughs> they're a good team. I mean, they're getting pro football folks. It's got them 25th. I'm like, you're out of your mind. They got Max Crosby. They got Josh Jacobs. They got good players on both sides of the ball. But last year, we, the Raiders, I traveled to L.A. And Baker Mayfield signed less than 48 hours early. Yes. Didn't have the playbook at all. Just a couple of plays they ran. Raiders were up 16-3. to three. Game was over. I mean over. And the Raiders lost five games. First time in NFL history with a double-digit lead in the second half. Anybody can have a double-digit lead in the first half. Not many teams have double-digit leads in the second half and lose five of them. And the Baker-Mayfield game, where he came back and went the length of the field, he went 98 yards, and I'm about to do the post-game show, and I'm in the booth watching this going, no, please, no. And that was the end of the season. Darren Waller wasn't (laughs) available. Hunter Renthrow wasn't available. 
Derek Carr is no longer here. A lot had to do with that game. Couldn't hold. You got Devontae Adams. You can't pick up one. One first down. One first down. Kind of like when you're trailing 28-3 to for the Patriots. Atlanta just needed one first down. Right. And the game's over, and Baker Mayfield won that game. My son went to Oklahoma. Baker just got a statue. He's going to be the quarterback of the Bucks, most likely the starter. And I'm bullish on Baker because he has a big chip on his shoulder, and he doesn't want to enter the stage the rest of his career as being a backup who might be able to play when someone gets hurt. Don't sleep on Baker Mayfield. He can make every throw. He broke the all-time rookie touchdown record. Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady at the time. He's the same guy. It just happened that he played for the worst franchise maybe of our lifetime. Now he gets a chance to do it in Tampa Bay. I'm really interested in that topic this year. Love the takes. Love JT the Brick and Baker Mayfield here as part of that is now his fourth team already, a former number one overall pick. And so he knows he's got to make it happen here. It'll be interesting. None of it's ever dull. Listen, you have given me so much. Thank you. Uh, We could, we got to do this again at some other point and reminisce uh, about sports radio stories, et cetera, because you're a wealth of it. You and I have been around a while. I am thrilled for you that you still have all that you have going on. And in Vegas now, you have everything pouring in. And can I tease you? Because here we go. This is a first for me. You've covered so many big-time fights, boxing matches we're talking about, from Tyson to De La Hoya to Pacquiao, Mayweather, present day, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. I am headed to your area for Spence and Crawford, the world welterweight title fight. It will be the first time that I've been to a Vegas world title fight. So you and I have got to break bread. Literally, dinner's on me. I got to be around fight weekend that weekend because it's perfect, JT, because it's before the NFL and before the craziness begins. I'm headed your way late June, just to let you know. I'm headed out there. And look, because you you are obviously an expert and ultra on all of the big fight weekends and all of the big fight nights and the pay-per-view fights. And I just want to be there, be part of it one time to say that I've done what you've done so many times. Yeah, so I, I'm I, headed your way. I'm leaning on you. I'm huge. headed your way. I, I've been, I've been up to over a hundred world championship fights only because it's the biggest perk of my entire career. I've had a lot of lucky things happen to me, but living in Vegas yeah, here in 96 in the Tyson era, in the Chavez era, and then who came along? Oscar de la Hoya, Tito Trinidad. Oh, yeah. We got to the Manny Pacquiao Floyd era, and all the fights were here, and they weren't all great, but they were championship fights. And in Vegas, all we'd have to do is sign up online because we were in the media to get a credential. Most people couldn't come from around the world, even though boxing does have a global media base. I got a chance to go to all of them. And I said this early on for those who are watching, whenever you get a chance to get a credential, like this year, even though I couldn't go to most of the Golden Knight games during the week because I'm on the radio, the credential means everything. Because if you don't show up with a credential, then they'll take it away. So whenever that credential comes for a fight, it could be a super fight or a, a smaller fight, I go. Because there's nothing like TJ when you're here. You'll put on a nice sports coat, a brand new shirt, You'll have a cocktail before you go in. You'll come out. You'll have dinner on the strip. Hopefully, it'll be a great fight. And the energy around a big fight is as good as anything in the history of sports, maybe other than a Super Bowl with your team. And you've experienced that, but you're going to have a blast. And what a shame it's waited that long for these kids to fight because this should have been their third fight. This should be their trilogy fight. And we're seeing them still in their prime, but on the back end of their prime, 
disappointed it took so long, but Vegas will make it big. No doubt. This guy makes it big. JT the Brick, thank you. Most generous with your time to hang with me on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Keep knocking them dead. Brick at night, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Radio, JT and uh, Looney the podcast. And the handoff is the book. Phenomenal story. Thank you, my friend, for being my friend in this business and hanging with me here. Thanks, TJ. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did the conversation with JT and uh, look forward to hearing him more once we get around the football season as well as the as the dean, one of the deans of overnight sports radio and uh, sports radio uh, call-in shows overnight. Uh, I remember hearing him again back in the 90s and the early 2000s and doing all this and then got the privilege of working with him. So a pleasure. And again, the handoff is the book that he wrote. Uh, tremendous stuff and JT and Looney the podcast wherever you get podcasts they are highly entertaining just like the radio show always was on all these different topics and subjects so there you go uh, and that is that is a full edition of the last word on sports media podcast again uh, we meander through the summer hang in there with the interviews the sports have slowed down football not here for another 60 days or so stand by for that it is coming August preseason, college football before you know it, week zero, and then week one with Labor Day weekend. It'll all be coming back around. But we will still be here uh, as part of this pod uh, with some different programming. Also, uh, George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Great storytelling with the Chicago Twins uh, and Tweak of the uh, the sports media in Chicago. And also Phil and Mike with Announcer Schedules, the podcast. Uh, percolating along here in the summer with great guests and insight on who calls it well. Uh, on the national level, especially uh, TV and radio. Again, follow or subscribe to this podcast feed. Find out more at lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. I'm TJ Reeves. We always appreciate you being with us here as part of the Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.